Welcome to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy helping other people? Do people keep coming to you for advice? Or maybe you keep finding yourself in career conversations. If you want to know what it really takes to become a career coach and help others pursue work they love by doing something that you love, well, then this is the podcast for you. We will be talking to experienced career coaches, exploring what it really means to be a career coach and how they were able to first get their start, the challenges they overcame, and many lessons learned along the way. I'm Scott Anthony Barlow. I'm the CEO and founder of Happen to Your Career and the creator of the Professional Career Coach Training and Certification. Hey, welcome to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. This is going to be a fun episode because I have a friend who I have gotten to know over the over the years and really respect the business that she's built around career coaching, around helping people with their careers in a variety of different ways. And it will get to bring her on and showcase not just her story and how this has happened for her, but some of the ways that I would say she has even really, really crafted that fit within her business and have, I'm going to go so far as to say, uh, shaped the industry in a lot of different ways. And I am really excited to bring to HBCC, Christy Mims. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am very, I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. And we got a little bit of a chance to catch up and chat before we hit the record button here. But I am really excited for this conversation, and I am also curious because I don't know if I know the full story. You and I have gotten to chat over the years where I know part of the story, but how on earth did you get started as a career (laughs) coach? Oh, I wish I could say it was this longtime dream of mine that you know I really worked toward over the years. But the truth is, I absolutely stumbled into it. (laughs) I was a fancy pants consultant in DC and I got to the point where I was just miserable in my career, even though it was really lucrative and I felt all this guilt. And so I started investigating all these other careers. I was looking at becoming a shoe designer and there was a brief period where I thought maybe I just wanted to work for Bravo Television (laughs) and produce The Real Housewives. But one thing that I also looked into was coaching because a lot of the consultants I worked with were getting certified as coaches. And it seemed like an interesting career. And it was something that I thought would be, at least I could use it as a consultant. So if it didn't work out, you know, nothing was lost. So I, when, as part of my career research, when I was investigating different job paths, I signed myself up for a coaching weekend and I was super cynical and uh, I showed up and I just fell in love. It was like being in the desert. And then all of a sudden someone offers you a glass of water and it was amazing. Yeah, it was it was so great. And I walked out and I signed myself up to become certified right after that weekend and and did the whole process. So yeah. And well bam. Let me <laughs> ask you about that then. So what what happened next? After after the wabam and the desert and the and the water <laughs> and the deliverance and everything else. You know, what took place after that? Well, it took me about um a little less than a year to go through the whole certification process. It, I thought it was going to be very simple. I thought, oh, I'll just show up for a couple weekends and like read a book and I'll be certified. But it was actually a lot more like getting a master's degree. Uh, and it was, you know, I had to take a written oral exam and do all this work. So it took a while to get all of my hours and do all this stuff. And once I got certified, nothing happened because I was afraid. So I was continuing as a consultant and I started to set up some business stuff, but I was still, I was still pretty afraid. So nothing happened right away. But eventually I mustered up my courage 
to quit my job and to go full time as a coach because I just, you know, I was looking around thinking I was on the DC Metro and I was just thinking like, am I going to wake up 10 years from now? <laughs> because these people look like they died 10 years ago. You know, <laughs> am I just going to wake up 10 years from now? Just, you know, is this my life? Like I at least have to try. I owe it to myself to try. So yeah. So that's what happened. Why career coaching? Because it sounds like you started looking at just coaching in general. You said other consultants were were getting coaching certifications and that was kind of your intro to it. But what helped you focus on the careers aspect? of that? So I have always had a passion for helping people with their careers. And that had been from day one. I was always interested. I was especially interested in helping women um, you know, get paid more, get promoted more, things like that. And when I was a consultant, I was a principal and I was a director of a business unit. So I managed people. I built a lot of our staff training around internal career things. I also, in my consulting role, worked on leadership and other things that was part of my job. So I was deeply versed in a wealth of career knowledge as a hiring manager, as a senior manager, as a trainer, as a consultant in doing a little bit of thought leadership. And so I was just, I was really drawn to it for that reason, because I had this background. And the other reason I was drawn to it was because I had been so miserable and I just looked around and I saw these other miserable people and I thought like, I can help them, (laughs) you know, I can help them figure it out. Like I've gone through this process myself. I think there's ways in which we can address it. And I really want to help them find work that they love because you spend 3000 hours a year at work or thinking about work or commuting to work. Like you should enjoy most of that time. You know, that's so much time. I love that you tackle it on the real number of 3,000 as opposed to the, the 2,000 that uh, supposedly happens in a nine to five, eight hours a day, but that's actually not <laughs> not the, the real cost, if you will. No, no. You'll spend more time at work than you will with your spouse or you will asleep during your working years. So you should really, really do something that at least, you know, <laughs> you have some interest in, right? Like it's a lot of time. So yeah, I'm super passionate about helping people have careers that they love. So yeah. Moral of the story, do not suffer the same fate of being dead on the subway for many, many years. (laughs) Yes. Don't wake up on the metro at age 55. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) what, What do you, I heard you say that, you know, you went through, did all this work, felt more like a master's degree than anything else in terms of, as you were learning about coaching, as you were getting the certification. And then after that, Nothing really happened necessarily at first. What do you think gave you the confidence to start making things happen and move forward as a as a career coach from a career coaching business standpoint? Well, a couple of things. I'm not going to pretend. I wish I could say, you know, I just found the best version of myself and move forward. That's not entirely true. There was internal and external things that happened to kind of give me the confidence. One is I made the connection that to be successful, I knew, I knew I didn't want to coach full-time as an employee, and that wasn't even an option for me at that time. I needed to be an entrepreneur as well as a coach. Like I had to do that. So one of the things that helped me was getting some training in <laughs> how to run a business. Even though I had all this experience running multi-million dollar portfolios, it's very different to be, a, be an entrepreneur. So getting some training and talking to, I spent a lot of time talking to successful coaches to give myself the confidence that I could do it because it felt so far off the beaten path for what everyone I know did or was doing or thought was possible. So that was really, really helpful. Another thing that happened was like my job started to change. My company got acquired and it was clear, like I was on the staffing council and we were laying people off for a year. And it was clear that like my job was going to change dramatically and it was going to only get worse. 
And so I was going to have to either leave or take a job that I hated or, you know, something. And I, I just, it, I really felt that push to, okay, this is the time. Like I'm getting things in place on an internal level. I'm, you know, confident in my skills and my experience in the area of careers. I spent all this time getting certified. So I'm confident in my skills as a coach. And I've started to learn about business. I'm, I'm not confident, but I have some business skills now. And then I'm getting this external pressure of like, okay, things are changing. And I thought to myself, you know, is this who I want to be? Someone who when things get, the opportunity comes along, I let it pass me by. Like, no, I don't want to be that person anymore. So I took the leap. Did that answer your question? That did answer my question. And it creates another question too. How did, I understand what the circumstances were. When you took that leap, as you called it, did you feel at the time like, hey, this is really absolutely the, the right thing to do? Or was there some trepidation? Help me understand what you were feeling at that time. I was feeling absolute terror. Absolute terror. That uh, yeah. that sums it up. Yeah, that was, I was, I can remember the day after my last day of work, I went to a conference, which was really helpful and made some connections. And then the two days after that, I basically was in the fetal position on my couch. <laughs> so I was terrified. I didn't have any clients. The one helpful thing I had done was I had figured out what my crash and burn plan was. So I knew how much money I needed to live for a while and support myself and like not be on the streets. And I knew if everything failed, what I would do, I'd sort of thought through my options about where I could live or what kind of work I could do. And so that was like that knowing that I had some time to figure it out, but I was, I was terrified. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't know of anyone who's not, you're not just making a, leaving a job and starting something new, which is hard enough when you have a great salary and even if it's a great job, that's a big transition, but you're actually transitioning your entire identity. So I was transitioning from being this very fancy pants senior consultant, everyone in Washington, when I said, you know, this is what I do, everyone understood, they understood my, the depth of my experience. They had respect for that. And then when I all of a sudden was a life coach, it was just like, no one understood what that was at all. (laughs) That's a a what? (laughs) Yeah. And I had to think of myself as a life coach and as an entrepreneur. And that was just a huge mental shift, which was terrifying. And I think that's normal. And we should just be like, you know what, if you're scared right now, that's cool. You're doing it exactly right. You know, this is, this is how you should feel and it's normal and you should feel a little bit excited as well, but we all feel scared when we start and that's okay. Do you, do you think well, let me ask you a slightly different question then. Since you've been through that leap type taking, who do you believe that that is right for? And who do you believe shouldn't necessarily take the take the leap like that and you know build out maybe slow on the side or some other alternative to just taking that leap? How do you how do you think about that? I wouldn't necessarily recommend you do what I did by any means. Like it's definitely better to have I needed more business training and I needed more focus before I left. And the only thing I did right was I had, you know, I had a, I'd figured out my crash and burn plan. So I had yeah. time and space. But if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, which is, I think, one of the things you're asking me, you really need to be willing to be uncomfortable. So if you're someone who wants other people to tell you what to do, and if you're someone who's unwilling to put in your own structure or motivate yourself, it's probably not a good fit for you. And so you need to kind of have that grit and determination and you need to be willing to fail. So if you're someone who's a perfectionist and who's sort of unwilling to do anything unless it's absolutely right, this is also probably not a great fit for you either because you're going to do a lot of stuff wrong. I read somewhere that like as entrepreneurs, 90% of our ideas fail, but the 10% that succeed, succeed really well. (laughs) But it's a lot of failure. (laughs) I find it's more like uh, 98 and two. Some, or that's how it feels some days. 
it uh, yeah. depends on what it is. But I actually really like that cycle. I feel like I personally thrive in that cycle, but I don't know that, to your point, I don't know that that is the case for everybody or should be the case for everybody. And that's okay. I mean, there's different options in terms of even career coaching. Some companies hire full-time coaches, and so you can you can do that. But um, yeah, I think if you it's a, if you're comfortable with uncertainty, if you think that you can put a structure in place for yourself, if you're somewhat self-motivating and you're okay falling down periodically and picking yourself back up, you're probably going to be in okay shape. Well, I appreciate you going into that level of detail. You know, we talked about making the leap a bit, but what really truly was the hardest thing for you? in becoming a career coach? Oh, gosh, it's hard to pick one thing. <laughs> the hardest thing for me was selling coaching. In what way? That was, it was really hard for me to ask someone to pay me for coaching. My very first client, I it was $2,000 for a 10-session package. Right after that, it was $2,500. And then within a few months, I was actually charging $3,500. But that first asking someone to pay me for coaching, just I, it made me start to sweat. And I couldn't even say the words initially. I had to stand in front of my bathroom mirror and and like say it while I was brushing my teeth and while vacuuming just because I just couldn't even get a price out in the beginning. It just felt so awkward and uncomfortable. And I was it felt so vulnerable to ask someone to pay you for a service. You know, it was just, which seems crazy. But yeah, it was really tough. That was really hard for me. So what led up then to getting to even have that conversation with your with your first client that said, yes to when you're asking them for money. What what took place to lead up to that? How did that even happen? So my first client found me. So I started to market myself. I did public speaking because that I felt very comfortable doing that. I had a background in facilitation and training. So I was used to standing up in front of a group of people and talking. And I, at the time, specialized only in helping professional women find their passion. So I was looking for women in their 30s and 40s who had had a somewhat successful career. So I went out and I started to speak to groups of these types of women. Like I found groups like women in technology and women in international security and women in wine was a really fun group. And I started to give talks. And so one of the talks was advertised and someone found me that way and read up on me on my website and then contacted me for a consult because she, she thought I sounded credible and wanted to hire me as her coach. So one of the things that was really helpful was she was one of the very rare clients who basically had already made the decision and just wanted to confirm it was correct. Yeah. She wasn't unsure. And so part of the reason that she said yes is because she already knew and I didn't screw it up that badly. But that was how she found me. It was just I marketed myself by public speaking and she saw me advertised and did her research and contacted me. That is... <laughs> I didn't realize that was actually your first client. I had a really, really similar <laughs> path to my first client. And you're right when they've already made up their mind. And that's yeah. exactly the same conversation. There probably wasn't much I could have done uh, short of, I don't know, like standing up from the conversation and running around the room screaming or something and then coming back and saying, hey, can we work together? But they'd already made up their mind. But I also found my first client through the exact same situation. I was I spoke at two different events and afterwards one of them like grabbed me and pulled me aside and said, "Hey, I want to talk to you about this." I didn't realize that that was your your story too. I appreciate you sharing that. Do you find then that you uh, as you continued on, did you keep going down that same route to find additional clients when you started marketing yourself? Or did you find that, uh, I guess, what happened after that? How did you continue to bring in you know, clients two and three and four and 17? 
you know, my first six figures in business came almost entirely from speaking. And so I did all the local, the local talk circuit, if you will, and pitched myself everywhere. And I would Google things like on Twitter, like events DC or women in DC or things like that. And, you know, Eventbrite and Meetup and all sorts of stuff. And then I started to scale. So I started to speak on webinars and I went out and I found organizations that had an audience that had a bunch of professional women in it and offered to give one of my talks on them online which was a much, you know, good way to leverage my time and reach more people and sort of fill my sales funnel. And so, you know, I did that really solidly for about a year before I switched my marketing entirely to writing. But public speaking is such a powerful way to start in the beginning because in this noisy noisy world, we are often like scrolling through social media with one eye on the television or one eye on something else and emails, you know, who knows if they even get to your inbox, but when you're standing in front of someone and you're talking, they can see you and they can really connect with you. And it's rude for them to be looking at their phone. <laughs> so it's a wonderful way to really kind of make that connection with clients and have a great conversation and get them really interested in hiring you. During that first year after you started bringing in clients, what did a day in your life look like then? Oh, that's a good question. My first year was weird because I moved from DC to uh, San Francisco and I Culture shock. Yeah. And I stopped off in Germany for a bit for a friend's wedding. And I, so I was moving around quite a bit, getting prepared to do that big move. So my days varied a lot, but usually I spent like 30 to 40 minutes panicking every day <laughs> about what I should be doing because <laughs> uh, it was so new to me and I was doing all this moving. And so everything felt really unstructured. And then I spent a lot of time um, pitching myself. So I spent a lot of time researching where I could talk and building relationships with different organizations that offered webinars or offered talks. And so I spent a lot of time researching them and writing up a really solid tailored pitch for them and about why I would, you know, would be a good speaker and citing some things. I spent some time really working on my website, usually a couple times a week, kind of trying to optimize that. And then I set aside time for coaching as well. I had days where I was just usually Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I was trying to dedicate most of those, that time to coaching. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays? Yes. And the reason for that is because I'm not very good on Mondays or Fridays, just <laughs> like kind of in my bathrobe. And I don't really, I, I felt like it kind of gave me a day to get into the week and sort of a day to sort of exit the week, if you will. And so I, yeah, I batched all my coaching as much as I could. The way that you had said that, I knew there had to be some reason behind that. <laughs> I know that uh, your business has changed a lot over the years. So for, for context for people, how many years ago was that just roughly? Seven. Seven it was years almost ago. Exactly seven. Yeah. That I started coaching, that I quit and started. Yep. Does that seem like a long time to you or is that, you know, blink of an eye type thing? How does that feel seven years into it? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Being an entrepreneur is like aging in dog years. But also, the one thing I always come back to is on my darkest day as an entrepreneur, it's still better than my best day as a consultant. And I had some pretty good days as a consultant, but I never regretted it. I've never looked back. That's very much how I felt too. So let me ask you just a couple other questions here. You know, one, I'm really curious how your business has changed and evolved over the years because you started out with coaching one-on-one -on -one at mm -hmm. somewhere along the way. And then I know that it's evolved over time. I don't know the whole story, but you and I have, how long we've known each other for over what, three years now, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great question. So I did. I started out, I think a lot of coaches start out with private coaching and I'm a big 
proponent of that because it's instantly profitable. It requires very little infrastructure and you can really start to sort of test and create your personal systems and philosophies and infrastructure without a lot of, um, it's not overwhelming, right? You can kind of really get going and you can turn what you create as a private coach into your book or your group coaching program. And that's what I did for my career clients. I took my private coaching program and turned it into this large scale group coaching program called the Career Happiness Revolution. And so that became, you know, a big backbone of my business. And after a few years, I stopped private coaching entirely and I started only doing group coaching and I had some online, completely online programs, Zero to Passion and the Networking Masterclass. So I just had this community focused on that. And then that started to evolve because uh, what happened is a lot of life coaches saw what I was doing and asked me how I became successful because, you know, we, the Revolutionary Club was named a Forbes Top 100, which is awesome for careers and you know, I started to just really sort of take off. And so that was when I decided to write it all down how I did it. And that's what became Coach Pony, which is a business community for life coaches who want to learn the business side of coaching so that they can really support themselves as new coaches, which really leads into my mission of helping people just build a great career that they love. And so I love working with the life coaches on the business side of things. And so we've created it's really a really growing community of life coaches of all, all sorts, career, health, dating, everything to focus in on the business so that they can, they can change people's lives and really succeed. So it's been really, really fun just to just have all of this creativity and to evolve my business over the years. You know, I've done everything from retreats to books to programs to private coaching. We, you know, I've done it all. And so it's, there's, there's so much room for creation and just to like let your best self kind of come together and what you're able to produce in your business. It's been really, really fun. I heard you say earlier that your worst day as a as an entrepreneur, as a career coach, it has been you know better than your than your best day as a consultant way back when. But I'm curious, how has it shaped your life to be a business owner, to be a career coach, you know, over these last seven years? So I think the biggest change is I used to have a pretty respectable high level position and I never felt like the work I did really mattered. I felt like I produced PowerPoints that no one read, <laughs> you know, and I did proposals that didn't matter. That just, you know, you just didn't feel like your work had meaning. And now not only do I get to work for myself, but I get to have a very visceral and close impact on people's lives. So for example, about a year ago, I gave a talk to the University of Virginia about careers, and I talked about coaching and what it is as an industry, and someone attended that webinar, and in the last year, she's quit her job, she's changed careers entirely, she's become a coach, and she's you know joined the Coach Pony community and really started working on her business, and she just wrote me, and she was like, if I hadn't attended that talk, <laughs> you know, my life would be totally different, and so... Just knowing that you can create something and put it out into the world and it can actually change someone's life is pretty cool because that was not the case in my old job. That's or it did not feel that way. The PowerPoints did not have that level of impact. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the overly wordy, extremely boring PowerPoints just didn't really change anyone's lives. You know, it's hard it's hard to work on something that you feel like doesn't matter or is just gonna be put in a drawer somewhere. It's so great to work on something where you know that's going to impact us. Someone is going to see it and it's going to help them. And it's going to potentially help them in a big way, maybe in a small way. And, you know, I get, and I'm sure you do too. Like you, you must get emails all the time. I get emails all the time from people who are like, wow, this changed my life or wow, this answered a question that's been crushing me or, you know, this, this 
like allowed me to do something amazing in my career that I didn't expect, you know? So it's, it's just awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> I feel I'm struggling for words a little bit to describe this every single time I try and describe it, but it feels very, <laughs> it feels very Spider-Man-esque in some ways. Like it, it feels like it's incredibly rewarding, but it also feels very much like a huge, um, huge responsibility at the same time to be able to have the privilege to help people in that way to the point where, yeah, I mean, just like you said, we get multiple emails a day now, which still blows my mind of people thanking us for making an impact on their, on their lives. And I mean, it started out as like way back when one email a month, but now for people to take the time and share those times, I have an entire wall behind me of uh, like thank you letters and all kinds of things. We actually ran out of room on the wall. We now have a box and we're trying to figure out what to do with these things. But to have that level of impact, it's just, it's very humbling. Humbling sounds almost too cliched of a word, but that's that's very much how it feels. And, you know, for people that are looking that type of impact, here's what I'm curious. Uh, what advice would you have for them? And maybe think about it in this way. If they are only given let's limit it a little bit here. And let's say that they want to start their business in three months instead of you know seven years or whatever it might be. And they had to focus on the highest impact areas to be able to move their business forward. What advice would you give them? What would you suggest that they do during that three-month period of time to get into career coaching and, and start their business out? Oh, wow. There's a lot of different ways to answer this question. So the first thing, and I'm going to assume that this, that you know, when you're thinking about this as a career coach, you know what type of career coaching you want to do and who you want to help, because there's no way to have an impact unless you're super clear. And I think the mistake a lot of career coaches and a lot of coaches make is they want to help everyone with everything. You should be as specific and as narrow as you can, because it's so much easier to build expertise and credibility with a narrow focus than a large one. And it's so much easier for you to connect with your potential clients and show that you get them if you have a narrow focus rather than a large one. You know, I tell my coaches, like, don't say you're a career coach, say you are a coach who helps baby boomers with their second act careers. You know, that's the level of specificity. <laughs> I said that wrong. Specificity. Yeah. That <laughs> to start one. With. Yeah. So like, I want to just take that as a given that you're really like in this three months, you, you've got it. And then I think in the beginning, the thing that there's a lot of trends in the online business world, and we could, we could nerd out on this a lot, but I, I come back to like, there's some certain timeless principles. So if I had three months, I would focus on personal. The fastest way would be public speaking again to, cause you, it's personal, but it's leveraged. meaning you can really touch a lot of people in a short period of time, but you have their full attention, which is so rare today. So if, you know, if I had three months, I would, I would focus on creating a really compelling talk that's aimed at the people that you most want to help. You know, in the beginning, I most wanted to help these professional women find the work that they loved. You know, now I really want to help life coaches be successful in their chosen career path. So whatever it is, just building a talk that's going to that's gonna showcase your expertise and give them some help. And then you can invite them in to work with you. And by speaking and reaching a certain amount of people, they can go off and tell their friends and it can start to kind of have an amplification effect. But I'd, I'd focus on one marketing platform. I'd try to keep it as personal as possible. So it could be building strong relationships with people who have the demographic that you want to reach. It could be trying to network one-on-one that you won't have quite the leverage in that case, but it's still 
can still be a really valuable way to get clients and just do that and just own that as much as possible and get really, really good at it. And I think that's one of the secrets to success is to focus your marketing efforts and focus your product or program. We don't talk about this a lot, but most coaches only start with one service offering. You see a a successful coach and they have five or six and you think you need that. You don't start with one service offering and be awesome at it, be obsessed with it and start with one marketing platform and be awesome at it and be obsessed with it. And I think that's how you have more rapid success and more you're more likely to succeed both things. That's definitely been my experience. Anytime I split my focus, I start to, you know, things start to go a little bit askew. (laughs) But when I re-engage my focus, things really take off. So that was, I know that wasn't a perfect answer to your question, but uh, let me know, did I get, did I get in the ballpark? I think there are no perfect answers to that question. And that's part of the reason why I enjoy asking it because we get a variety of answers to that or similar questions. So yeah, I really appreciate that. And I, I also agree wholeheartedly with what you said at the end. And I think that's maybe the most important point that you see all of these other people that are at different stages than you, and they might have five or six or 10 or 250 uh, offerings. And you think that that's what you need to do. And the reality is to expedite success, to get to the point where you can have 10 offerings or whatever it might be. It actually is faster to start with one and focus all your efforts there. So I really, really, really appreciate you pointing that out because I think that there's a lot of truth to that. And thank you so much for making the time. I I always, always, always enjoy every conversation I've ever gotten to have with you over the last three, four years. And I really, really appreciate you coming on. Where Where can people find more about you? Awesome. Well, if they are a coach, then please come over to Coach Pony. Over at coachpony.com, we've got tons of free resources and guides to help you get started and get paying clients because I know that's what all coaches want um, and help you and support you on your chosen career path. So I'd love to see you. And you can also find me over at the Revolutionary Club. That business, the career coaching business is still around and you know we still help help people find careers that they love. And so, yeah, so coachpony.com and therevolutionaryclub.com, two places to find me. Christy, thank you again. You're very welcome. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode on how to become a career coach. Go to howtobeacareercoach.com to sign up for our 14-day email series that takes you through step-by-step everything you need to become a career coach and find out how it could be possible for you. 